the Calgary Flames seem to be falling apart. Several different players will be on the move soon, or so it seems. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois and the sudden shift. It was assumed he'd be going to Montreal, but now the Los Angeles Kings have entered as contenders to sign the forward player out of Winnipeg. And then to close, we'll talk about the NHL draft less than a day away. Who needs to have a successful draft and who do we think has the most pressure on them heading into the draft? All of this coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi and hello, hockey fans. Welcome back to the Locked On NHL Podcast, Western Conference Tuesdays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day. I'm your host, Dane Lewis. Joining me, as always, my co-host here on Tuesday, Seth Topol, host of Locked On Minnesota Wild. And Seth, I know that we've kind of been through a dry spell the past few weeks between the end of the season and now we're here with the draft and free agency around the corner. How are we feeling here uh, at the end of June, kind of through the not quite halfway point of the offseason, but we're we're getting there. Popcorn's starting to pop uh, as I literally have some popcorn in front of me because uh, we're starting to see a lot of activity here and kind of expected that we would get that leading up to the draft because there are players who are going into the final year of their deal, maybe are not, um, in the case of the Calgary Flames, not opt to uh, try to resign. So there's going to be a lot of player activity here uh, over the next couple of days because this is a deep draft. And this is the one that I think a lot of teams are going to want additional picks in. So we should see a lot of movement uh, here over the next couple of days. So if you haven't, get that popcorn ready. Certainly seems like we're due for plenty of fireworks over the next handful of days and over the next handful of weeks. And of course, plenty to discuss here as it pertains to the future of the Western Conference. And today's episode uh, is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LockedOnNHL for $20 off your first purchase. And Seth and I, uh, of course, uh, feel like have talked about this team plenty, but they continue to provide headlines. They continue to make the news across the NHL landscape. The Calgary Flames have kind of been through it all this offseason. They hired a new GM and Craig Conroy. Ryan Huska now has been named head coach, and it seemed like maybe that there was going to be a return to normalcy uh, in for one of the teams located in Alberta, but now it seems like we're getting the exact opposite as the team is plunging into chaos as it seems like many of their key players might be on their way out the door, and some of them very, very soon. Uh, it it's been reported over the past week or so that players like Noah Hannafin, Elias Lindholm, Mikhail Backlund, and Tyler Toffoli are not interested in staying in Calgary long-term. And am I missing anyone, Seth? Is there is there anyone else that you've seen pop up? Because I know those are kind of the big four, uh, but it seems like there's, for lack of a better term, a fire sale about to go down in Calgary. Yeah, and this brings kind of this into... Um into the fold for me is obviously you have what's going on with all these players trying to leave. How would you feel if you are somebody that is locked in long-term such as Nazem Kadri or Jonathan Huberdeau who are under contract for the flames through 2028, 2029. And now all of a sudden you have all this exodus of players that is wanting to go elsewhere. 
what are they going to do? Because those contracts are not exactly movable. And so those guys are going to probably have to hang around through a little bit of a lean period when, while this coaching staff and um, new GM try to cultivate kind of this prospect pool and get players that they want on the roster. It, uh, this is going to get dicey if you are uh, a fan of the Calgary Flames because uh, it's going to require a little bit of a teardown before they can start to build things back up. Definitely. And it's a weird situation because it seems like if those four, these four players in particular that seem like that they're not interested in signing extensions, they're on the move here and likely to be traded so the Flames can get something in return. It feels like if they stick together and you and you pair them with your Nazem Kadri's, your Jonathan Huberdos, uh, Andrew Mangiapane, another good player uh, who you know has made an impact on this team, they're different than how they looked a couple seasons ago where they were in the postseason. But you would think, in theory, that they could make a pretty formidable team that could compete in the Pacific Division, and you know, depending on if they can get hot at the right time, maybe go you know for a run in the postseason. Do you think that this has something to do with Calgary itself? I know that. At times, we saw it last offseason too, like Johnny Gaudreau, great player. The fans loved him in Calgary, but at the end of the day, he wanted to come back to the United States, and we saw a similar you know, beat from Matthew Kachuk. Do you think that that's factoring into this here with some of these players maybe just wanting to move stateside? Uh, do you think it's something internal going on with the Flames despite seemingly you know new leadership across the board? Well, what exactly do you think is causing all of this turmoil uh, in Calgary specifically? You know, it's tricky because we had hypothesized, I even went as far as to say that it was a team that could probably still make the playoffs with the roster that they had. Uh, and so if players are not wanting to try to do that, that leads you to believe that they are anticipating being able to get more on the open market. You know, that's the other, that's the part of this, too, I think, that is is weighing on some of these players' minds is that we're going to see the salary cap start to go up uh, pretty regularly again after this season. And so do they just view it as um, we, we are going to get some greener pastures elsewhere with teams having money to spend and the Flames being tied into some of those top-level guys? And so then at that point, it becomes – the Flames want to try to get something as opposed to just letting them walk. So it may be that Calgary is just not their preferred choice, but I think just the prospects of being able to um, get a solid deal elsewhere uh, and maybe be as opposed to being a, a second or third option, be a little lower on the, uh, on the hierarchy with a better chance to uh, compete for a Stanley cup because I think that's the other thing, too, is that even with all those pieces, I don't know if Calgary is a Stanley Cup, a legitimate Stanley Cup contender at this point. And so then that's the one that everybody weighs, too, is, well, gee, if this team isn't one that is ready to compete for a Stanley Cup, I'm going to go find a team that is. Yeah, it's so bizarre because and I agree, I think that they're a team that could certainly compete for the playoffs. They almost made it this year, despite, you know, there seemed to be a lot of turmoil with coaching of Daryl Sutter and. You know, there were all the rumors of there was, you know, not not hatred, that's too strong a word, but just maybe some disconnect in the locker room and uh, maybe team chemistry was certainly not where it was desired to be and where it was expected to be. But, you know, now we're seeing just it seemed like in such quick succession, all of these players, key players for this organization wanting to go on the way out 
where, again, it feels like, you know, maybe if you keep the core together and then you draft correctly or you make the right moves in free agency, you, you might could have a team that could, you know, sneak into the playoffs or get in maybe quite soundly, depending on how the Pacific plays out. I think the Florida Panthers have kind of set this bar now of all you need to do is get into the postseason and anything can happen. But now all of these players want out. And yeah, I mean, it makes you wonder about the the long-term implications for some other players. I mean, I talked about Manji Apani. He only has two more deal, two more years left on his deal. Uh, there's plenty of other players that are also kind of, you know, in no man's land of maybe one or two years left on their contracts. I'm sure now they're starting to wonder what their future looks like with the organization. But, you know, you do have, like you said, your Huberdos and Cadres that are stuck. I mean, they're there long-term, ton, a massive cap hit, plenty of term on their deals. And you have to imagine that it's it's just crazy. You looked this, this time last year, and I remember many people said, you know, the Florida-Calgary trade that sent Kachuk to Florida and sent Huberdo to Calgary, everyone thought it seemed pretty even across the board and that, you know, both teams seemed to be in a good spot. But now it seems like you almost now have two teams heading in opposite directions. Yeah, 100%. And another interesting name in all this is Jacob Markstrom because we're going to see Connor Hellebuck traded this offseason more than likely. And so does that create a goalie carousel to where he goes somewhere and some team that was pushing hard for Hellebuck um, ends up coming up a little bit short? Do they go after a guy like Jacob Markstrom who's locked in for a few more seasons at a relatively decent term? Still a good goalie. Uh, I think he suffered from just the inability for that team to uh, score goals last year. Um, so he still could be a good goalie in this league. So I wonder if that is another route that the Flames elect to try to go to get something back from him with a desperate team that uh, that missed out on one of those top guys that are available. Definitely. It's such an interesting scenario here in Calgary and something that I know we'll be keeping an eye on is these players are likely dealt, maybe not here this offseason, but sometime between now and the trade deadline. Some of them, it very well could be this offseason as the Flames are going to seek to get as much of a return as they can, whether that be draft compensation or prospects. Uh, but it's just unfortunate with everything else that's already happened with this organization. I know that it seems like that the you know they're moving on from the Saddle Dome, which maybe that's a good thing. Maybe some fans are ready for a new building, but you'd like to have a new building with a team that's ready to contend and compete. And it seems like the Flames are certainly not headed in that direction right now. Only time will tell, but a very interesting situation as multiple Flames players looking to move on, and the team will be looking to to rebuild or retool from that point. Uh, and again, just a team that continues to make the strangest headlines and seems to always be the center of attention at times, even when there's other teams that maybe demand the spotlight. But I mean, that's just part of what we do here covering the Western conference. And I'm sure we'll be discussing the flames at multiple other junctions or junctures rather uh, this off season, but from one Pacific team to another, the LA Kings seem to be in a win now mode and they're looking to make their roster a little bit stronger for next season. And now they've entered the ring of teams that could potentially land Pierre-Luc Dubois. And Seth and I will talk about those rumors and how far adding a player like Dubois could take the Kings going forward coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting excited 
for all the fun that you'll have, whether it be for Major League Baseball. I know that both the teams that Seth and I like in the MLB, the Rangers and Twins, both of them at the top of their division, uh, but and both of them technically over 500, uh, but maybe not quite on the same level. But we we won't discuss that here. We'll save that for the, <laughs> the MLB experts. But you can catch your favorite MLB team. Plenty of concerts around the country uh, throughout the summer, all over the place in stadiums and arenas, or even at small venues. And then before you know it, the NFL preseason will be here. You can get tickets for all of those events and hundreds of other ones on Game Time. Just download the Game Time app. Uh, create an account and use code locked on NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that is the game time app and use our code locked on NHL for $20 off your first purchase game time, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I want to thank you again for making locked on NHL your first listen of the day for all the everydayers out there continuing to make our show a part of your routine. Thank you for tuning in as we get prepared for NHL free agency, the NHL draft coming up tomorrow. Plenty to discuss, but a, a new player, I, I guess, has entered the ring in the Pierre-Luc Dubois sweepstakes. It seems like it was really a, a all-but-done deal that he would be heading to Montreal, maybe even as soon as this offseason that he was interested in playing there. But now there's plenty of speculation that has skyrocketed, rec skyrocketed recently about Pierre-Luc Dubois potentially joining the Los Angeles Kings. And Seth, really, the, the big question is here. Why do you think that there's all of a sudden this massive shift? Clearly, these are two organizations, the Kings and Canadians, that are in different areas in terms of where they are and for contending for a title. But Pierre-Luc Dubois seemed, you know, does like driven to be playing for the Canadians. But now it seems like maybe there's some interest from the Kings. Where do you think all of this sudden interest has come from? Uh, and I mean, do you envision Pierre-Luc Dubois being a good fit with who the Kings currently have? on their roster. You know, it's interesting because it seems like there is always going to be that draw to play on the West coast. And I know Montreal was, it seemed like going to be the slam dunk for Dubois to go to. Uh, it is a cautionary tale because I did a little digging on the Dubois situation when there was potential for him to be, Moved, I thought maybe it made sense for the Minnesota Wild to try to go that route. But there are two things, there are two parts to this that uh, teams need to take into consideration when making this move. Number one, you got to make sure you get that extension locked in so that you're not simply trading for a guy for one year and then he's able to leave. And then the price as well. Uh, and just looking at some of the rumors as to what will be going to um, the Jets in return for Dubois, it's a hefty sum. You've got uh, Gabe Velarde, you've got Alex Iafalo rumored to be headed to uh, Winnipeg in this deal. And those are not, those aren't just throwaway prospects. Those are two good players. And it is, it's going to be interesting to see kind of the reaction to this now as well. The Kings are just starting to take all their prospects and throwing them, uh, throwing them at proven NHL players. But at the end of the day, Dubois is a pretty, he's a pretty good player. And so if the Kings are able to make that happen, uh, you've got Kevin Fiala, then you've got Pierre-Luc Dubois. If it's me though, I still think a goalie, I think a, Number one legitimate goalie is the route that I would tend to want to go. 
Um, I would probably be talking to the Jets about Connor Hellebuck if I'm trying to get something done with them um, as opposed to just adding more on the offensive side. But offense sells, goals sell, and so it, it is in it is an interesting move for the Kings. I wonder if Montreal tries to get it uh, back into this to make this happen and maybe sweetens the deal a little bit um, so that they can be able to get it done. Definitely. And I, I think the Jets would be wise to to listen to maybe what Montreal would have to rebuttal whatever you know the Kings are offering because it probably would from Los Angeles be NHL talent, maybe some prospects because the Kings – you know, like a few other teams here in this upcoming draft don't currently have a first round pick. So I feel like, you know, it would make sense to maybe package a first round pick for a player of Pierre-Luc Dubois caliber. You could throw in maybe the first round pick in 24 or 25, but then, you know, then the Kings are without a first round pick for the next two seasons or, you know, maybe only have one over the span of the next three years, which wouldn't necessarily be an ideal position to put yourself in as you're kind you're in this compete now window, but you also do want to you know, do the work to make sure that you have some plans for the future. So, uh, yeah, it would be very, very interesting to see who the Kings would send in return. They do have quite a bit of cap space to work with, just over $9 million, which isn't the most across the league. But for a team that, you know, just went to the playoffs and has aspirations to win a Stanley Cup soon, not too bad. And certainly makes you believe that they could work out some sort of extension for Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I think he, alongside Kevin Fiala, that could be one of the most entertaining duos to watch. Uh, as I know you're very familiar with Fiala's game, Seth, and mm. even myself, uh, you know, watching the Dallas Stars as often as I do, they matched up against the Wild quite often, and he often was was burning them. So I think him mixed with Pierre-Luc Dubois, who also has a tendency to make Central Division teams look incredibly silly, uh, could be a very fun duo alongside with that, that you know, the veteran presence that team has as well, Kopitar, Dowdy in particular. And we know the Kings have already shown to be very active as Sean Dursey is now with the Arizona Coyotes. And, and I, I know that this is not going, that's not the only move they're going to make. They're going to be incredibly active, whether it is Pierre-Luc Dubois or adding a goalie. Uh, I was thinking the exact same thing as you started to say it, that Connor Hellebuck might be a more intriguing option and maybe a, a better option in terms of what their team needs. But let's just say that the Kings do acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois the specifics may be unknown, but what do you think that the King's ceiling is if they add Pierre-Luc Dubois? Because then you're now having to compete with the defending you know, Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights, who are going to be running back a very similar team, the Edmonton Oilers, who boast two of the best players on the planet, a Seattle team that you know made it to the second round, surprised a lot of people, but I think that they're here to stay for the next handful of seasons. Do you think that adding a Pierre-Luc Dubois player actually elevates the King's or, or do you, you know, do you think that they're still kind of where they're at now, uh, maybe with just a, a more explosive offense? Because offense hasn't necessarily been the issue; it's been the goaltending, like you said. Yeah, I I would still put them among the top four in the Pacific Division, but I just I think a legitimate go-to number one guy between the pipes would elevate them higher on the list. You can have as much offense as you want if you have questions in net. And I know Jonas Corposalo had some decent numbers with the Kings after he was traded there, but I still just look at those question marks in net, and that's just something that you are going to have to try to overcome in the postseason, which is not easy because more often than not, you see goalies shut down the opposing team 
And if you don't have a goalie that can keep your opponent from scoring, that's when those short trips to the postseason end up coming in play. So I'll say still top four. I would still pencil them in as a playoff team, but I think if they go and get a legit goalie, I think that can put them, we're talking like two, probably two in the Pacific if they would go get somebody like Connor Hellebuck. Absolutely. And that's going to be a tough division to compete in with all those teams that we mentioned and maybe even some some surprise teams maybe coming out of the lower areas of the Pacific. But uh, so interesting to see Pierre-Luc Dubois seemingly yanked from talks of going to the Canadiens, but we all know that it's the NHL offseason. Anything can happen. And if Pierre-Luc Dubois does end up moving to Los Angeles, you best believe we'll be covering it here and all the implications that it carries for himself the Kings, and then also what the Jets get in return, uh, because this is going to be a very interesting offseason for the Winnipeg Jets as well, as I know we've discussed with the likely move of Connor Hellebuck and maybe even several other veterans on the team. But it's not just an eventful offseason for those teams. Starting on Wednesday, uh, the offseason is going to get much spicier for pretty much every NHL team as they look to add future talent that will hopefully uh, help propel their franchise to new heights. The NHL draft, of course, starting tomorrow. And Seth and I will speculate here in just a few minutes which teams from the Western Conference have the most at stake and which teams need to have a great draft in order to ensure success for their franchise. We'll talk about that coming up next. Third and final segment of Locked On NHL Western Conference Tuesdays, the day before the 2023 NHL draft, a draft that has had plenty of expectations placed upon it. it Maybe one of the most hyped drafts in recent memory. Uh, we all know who's probably going in the top five. We have a pretty good idea of what the order will look like. But even beyond some of these big names, your Bedards, your Fantillies, your uh, you know Will Smiths of the world, still a lot to like in this in this year's draft class. And Seth, what we can start, you know, we'll have a few different questions to cover, but we can start here. In your eyes, who needs to win this draft? Because everyone's looking to be successful, but there's always those few teams that it seems like the future of their franchise kind of rides or dies on certain years of draft picks. And this is certainly, it seems, one of those drafts, given who's kind of in the lottery and who's available uh, for those lottery picks. Well, it's got to be Chicago, for one, because Connor Bedard has been you know, the generational talent. He's been billed as one of the best players that will come into the NHL for quite some time. And so if you're Chicago, you got to have him be that, but then you also have to start showing some signs of life because yes, as we've seen, it makes it a lot easier to uh, get top level talent if you draft in the top five. But at a certain point, then those picks have to start kind of showing and leading you to a little higher finish. So I would put Chicago on the list. I I don't know if I was just reading too much into it, but I did find the smoke um, from Anaheim that they potentially would not take Adam Fantilli at two uh, and may go the Matt V. Mitchkoff route. Um, I found that interesting because Anaheim was another team that at some point you have to – you have to elevate. You have had several good picks in a row. You've got Zegris. You're going to have probably Fantilli to add to that mix. And so you need to 
you know, you need to win that pick as well to be able to uh, start to make some things happen. And beyond that, uh, the team that I think could swing their favor the most is the St. Louis Blues with three first round picks currently, depending on what happens with Kevin Hayes. Uh, three first-round picks currently, which gives them the opportunity to A, move up, or to get three really solid players in the first round because that's a Blues team that has some age in all facets, especially on the blue line. And so they need to get some youth in their system to be able to take some spots on that roster. So if I'm picking one team here, I think I'm going to go with the St. Louis Blues. They have, I think, the best chance to be able to move up or down the draft board and to uh, really make some things happen here with those three firsts. Absolutely. I think that's a, a sneaky team that not a lot of people are talking about going into the draft because they they missed out on the playoffs, but not really quite a lottery team to the extent that Chicago, Anaheim, San Jose were. But like you said, three first-round picks, uh, a plethora of really, really nice players already on the NHL roster. I think, you know, getting Jacob Verana out of Detroit was one of the more underrated moves. I think if he's able to stay healthy and, you know, be able to stay in the NHL and stay on the ice, I think he's going to be a great piece for them alongside Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo. I know that there's a few other pieces that need to be put in the puzzle there, but uh, I mean, a great draft here, I think really sets the bar high for them going forward in the central division. And they could have an opportunity to, to leapfrog a few teams and if we're you know, going to stay in the central, as I probably will kind of with my pick, I kind of lean towards the Arizona Coyotes. I know that their whole organization is just in this weird limbo area of we don't really know where they're going to play long term. And Clayton Keller maybe could be on the move. You want to talk about the St. Louis Blues. I know he's been linked to that organization at certain points, but there are reports saying that you know he's interested in seeing things out with Arizona if there are signs of life from the front office and from you know the people in charge of setting this team up for success and you know two first round picks for the Coyotes but then four in the third round uh, and then you know two in the fifth two in the sixth so many draft picks this year and then over the next few years they really do have an opportunity to go out and get some really great players in order to help bolster this roster. And then, you know, you have them added a guy like Sean Dursey. I know it might be hard to get free agents or players to want to come to Arizona, you know, on their own accord. But if you start to get the right pieces in place, it could become a more attractive destination. And regardless of where the organization ends up calling, you know, where, where they end up calling, you know, an arena home or a city home, they could be set up for success. And hopefully it's still in Arizona because that fan base deserves to have you know, a good team, especially the fans that are that have stayed loyal through the thick and the thin. And so I'm really interested to see how they approach this draft. They're in a weird spot where they, you know, had the season that they had, but only are now getting the sixth overall pick. Still some really good options that are going to be left with that pick. But it feels weird that they they seem to be, you know, a team that I feel like like the Blues are overlooked to some extent because everyone wants to talk about Bedard and Fantilli and Michkoff and who knows where he's going to end up going because every other day you're hearing, well, he's not talking to teams or he's only talking to this team. Is is it all a, a ploy? Is it a, you know, is, is he trying to pick where he lands by telling other teams he's ignoring them? And, and as much as we think that we have this draft down of who's going to go where, at the same time, really outside of Bedard, it feels like everything is a toss-up. Yeah, it, it feels like there is a lot of different ways because there are plenty of teams who, uh, could play this very aggressively to where if 
the Ducks aren't necessarily sure who they want to take at number two. Maybe somebody jumps up to that spot and they move back. I wouldn't advise it, but it feels like there is potential for a lot of movement, especially with all of these deals that we've seen that haven't happened. Um, they could certainly be revisited on the draft floor um, and could still happen. So I would expect a frantic uh, pace to the uh, NHL draft, which I think is something that we all are very much looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Even for someone like myself, who the team I cover and the Stars don't have their first round pick, ironically enough, the Blues are in possession of that pick right now. I'm still, maybe this is the most excited I've been to watch a draft in a while, even though my team doesn't pick until 61st overall, just because of the intrigue of of teams potentially moving up and which players could be on the move. Uh, a ton at stake uh, with this upcoming draft. It's going to be a ton of fun to see these players get their names called and I mean, really cool to to always see these kids get to see their dreams, you know, realized and come to life and uh, hopefully be, you know, the a bright spot for some of these fan bases like Chicago, Anaheim, Columbus, San Jose, Montreal. You know, that's the top five. A lot of those fan bases looking for some optimism and and hopefully they're they're going to start getting that with night one of the draft. But it's kind of the the Kickstarter for the next few days, next few weeks where the offseason gets very, very exciting and interesting with the first it's the draft. And then before you know it, uh, we're going to be talking about free agency and some other trades that go down. But that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked On NHL. Uh, you can find myself, Dane Lewis, at Dane double underscore Lewis on Twitter. You can find Locked On Stars on YouTube, your favorite podcasting platform, and on social media uh, covering all things Dallas Stars. Not really a ton to talk about in terms of the draft, but once free agency and trades really do start to kick in, I think that's where Jim Nill and that star's front office will work their magic. But Seth, where can the people find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Seth, T-O-U-P-S, and uh, also follow Locked and Wilds on your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, it's been a quiet offseason for the Wilds so far, but I would imagine that uh, we're going to start to see things pick up here relatively soon. So stay tuned and Whatever does end up happening, we will make sure we've got full breakdowns for you. Uh, so make sure you follow along and subscribe so you don't miss out. Absolutely. And there's always something interesting to talk about in the Western Conference. By the time we're back next week, uh, free agency will be well underway. And so I'm sure Seth and I will be probably having to cut some things out uh, just because there will probably be so much to discuss with the draft and free agency, but never a dull moment in the Western Conference, even in the offseason. So thank you to each and every one of you for listening and watching, uh, and we'll see you here next Tuesday.